RadioInfluence.com Football fans, it's time to go on the record with this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reeves. Well, here we go with another edition of the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to underdogs in college football and the NFL. It is Three Dog Thursday. Great to be back with you. Great to have Kevin Rogers, Senior Handicapper, VegasInsider.com, back with me. Off of a week in which you and I were both one for three, Kevin rejoicing for the Pitt Panthers, who covered against Syracuse in college football in the ACC. I say thank you very much to the Miami Dolphins. It was ugly, yes, but they found a way to not only cover, but win the game with the Tennessee Titans last weekend. So those were our underdog victories. We vowed to try to be better, to get at least two of these three underdog predictions correct, if not all three of them. That's the task. Kevin, good to be with you. You ready for another week? Yeah, it's a fresh week. You know, there's a lot of, I think, live underdogs in college football this week. A lot of teams that came off uh, unexpected wins last week are now listed as favorites. There's a whole bunch of them. You know, Michigan State and North Carolina State and Iowa State, they're now heavy favorites. So it's, uh, you know, things change a little bit week to week. So we, let's see if it all keeps up. Well, and, and we, we're going to talk a little bit later on in the show much more about Oklahoma, who's playing Texas. They're heavily favored in that rivalry game in Dallas. And, and we'll tell everybody up front that the legendary Sooners coach, the Hall of Fame uh, collegiate coach, national champion with Oklahoma, Super Bowl champion with the Dallas Cowboys, Barry Switzer, will be here to talk about the rivalry. Kevin, I'm excited to have him on and not only talk about being a part of the Texas-Oklahoma game, but also uh, to tell us a little bit uh, you know, about this situation in Norman where they have lost to Iowa State uh, coming into this Texas game. And I- Iowa State was a 31-point underdog winning the game at Norman that is the largest loss ever for Oklahoma is that big of a favorite to lose the game outright. How about this stat? Because you love the stats. I know Bob Stoops for the six of the years, but now Lincoln Riley joining him. This is seven years in a row that Oklahoma has lost a game, Kevin, where they were at least a double-digit underdog. You talk about the, the underdogs ruling the day against the Sooners. Seven years in a row, a double-digit underdog gets you, including Iowa State last week. What do you make of all that? Well, I mean, look, Oklahoma was a 14 up in that game, and Iowa State came back. They had a new quarterback in there, and uh, it was an excellent win for them. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But, you know, at the same time, I think a lot of people now are going to look at it going into this week against Texas, where Texas has fared well, at least against the spread against Oklahoma the last few years. They've covered, they pulled off some upsets. But I think this is a good spot maybe to take Oklahoma this week, where they were just embarrassed. They'll be refocused in their biggest game of the year. You know, if they had beaten Iowa State badly, then I would have said, well, maybe Texas could be worth a look. But Texas really hasn't been great offensively so far this year. I think Oklahoma, now that they're they're laying single digits, which they haven't in the last few years against Texas, that this could be a spot to take them in. But, yeah, I mean, obviously a great effort by Iowa State. And we keep some of these keep seeing some big teams fall. You know, it's kind of like Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. Those are like the last ones that we're waiting to see Penn State. You know, those are the ones that are waiting to see fall. But, you know, now Michigan, 
and Oklahoma. We saw Ohio State earlier in the year that uh, these teams can't get knocked off. Yeah, how about Michigan State winning at the Big House, uh, a game that we had for Three Dog Thursday last week. I took the Florida State Seminoles, and it looked like I, I was looking good. We say coulda, shoulda, woulda a lot of times on this show. I was looking good when James Blackman, the freshman, threw the go-ahead touchdown pass with just a couple of minutes left to put them up by three to get the outright win, not just the cover. But what a job uh, by Rozier, the freshman quarterback, and Miami's offense to get down the field to get the game-winning touchdown in the final seconds, and Miami snaps the seven-game losing what a great finish for Miami to remain undefeated in the ACC and really deal a death blow to Florida State's hopes in the ACC to possibly play in the championship game, et cetera, et cetera. Um, wow. Wow. What a, I mean, there were some great finishes uh, last weekend, including that one, Miami over Florida State. Yeah, you know something, I was asked about this from someone else about, you know, Florida State, you know, has the season been a failure or is it a lost season? And, and you know what, they've lost to three really good teams. I mean, they've lost to Alabama, they lost to a good North Carolina State team, they lost to Miami, who's undefeated. So there's no shame in it. And they have their freshman quarterback in who is a long ways off from uh, DeAndre Francois. So it is what it is. And, you know, for Florida State, you know, hopefully they can try to get to 500 and, and have a decent bowl to go to to end their season but as far as all the close finishes around college football yeah i mean it's yeah, this has been a weird season because i feel like you know you look at this week's slate and there's not a lot of great matchups you don't get really that excited over it but some of these games you don't expect have been good finishes or at least you know like iowa state oklahoma nobody expected anything out of that and that turned out to be a pretty good game so the ones that we're expecting to be good I feel it turn out to be duds, and the ones that people really aren't expecting have turned out to be some of the better games of the season. Well, uh, let's see if we do have some close ones and some exciting ones, especially for the te- for the teams that are up near the top of the of the college football ranks there in particular. All right, so let's get things rolling with the college underdogs first. Where do you want to begin uh, on this second Saturday of October and all the college football that goes along with it? You know, I won last week with the Pittsburgh Panthers barely against Syracuse. They were getting three and a half, lost by three. I'm going to go with them again, and they're hosting North Carolina State this week. This is an interesting spot for the Wolfpack. Coming off that Thursday night victory, I'm not going to call it really an upset over Louisville. I mean, they're just as good as Louisville. But they were a home underdog, so I guess technically it's an upset. But, you know, North Carolina State hasn't lost since falling to South Carolina in the opener, a game that, you know, South Carolina is the best offensive game I feel like they've had all season long. And now North Carolina State goes to Pitt. They haven't played each other yet in ACC play, which is interesting since Pitt came over into the conference. So it's a little new for them to face this uh, Pittsburgh team where Pitt, yeah, they were blown up by Oklahoma State. They were blown up by Penn State. Those are quality teams, all right? And, you know, they got squeezed by Syracuse last week. They've played better the last few weeks. And now, you know, you're getting them as a nice-sized home dog where, you know, for NC State, you know, there's definitely pressure on them to go on the road. They have good wins this year over Florida State and over Louisville as a dog, but they haven't covered yet as a favorite. So it's just very hard to back them in this spot. I'm going to go with Pitt. How about that? So he goes back-to-back weeks with the Pitt Panthers. It still takes him getting used to when we're talking about different conferences and different teams. 
uh, to say Pitt Panthers ACC, but that is, especially when they were playing Syracuse last week, and that was an old Big East game, and now it's an ACC game uh, when you come back around to it. Uh, and Barry Switzer will actually talk more about that with the old Big Eight when we hear from him, because Oklahoma-Nebraska used to be the game in the Big Eight. They never play anymore, because Nebraska is now in the Big Ten, uh, something to keep track of. All right, so there is your college underdog. You're going to save two more for the NFL underdogs. I'm going to go with a couple of college underdogs. The first one involves the Arizona State Sun Devils coming off of a bye week, licking their wounds a little bit uh, after Stanford really roughed them up. Uh, Love the running back ran for 300 yards uh, against them in their last game. But they're back home off the bye week taking on an outstanding Washington team, and there is something electric about them playing at Sun Devil Stadium. They've been a good home team really for decades uh, in Tempe in that stadium and in that setting. It is going to be an amped atmosphere. I am told they're going to be doing a blackout for this game where everybody in the stadium will be wearing black or black T-shirts or some form of black for the Sun Devils for that night, and they're going to be in the black alternative uniforms against Washington in this game. Arizona State can run the ball, Kevin, a little bit. They have defensive question marks. They They have been roughed up a bunch defensively. But I think they can score with Washington in this game. And I kind of get the feeling you like the Sun Devils here, too, as a team that can hang around against what is a really good Washington team with Jake Browning. Well, it's a couple of things here. Number one, Washington over the years has struggled at Arizona State. I understand different coaches, different quarterbacks, different teams, but they haven't won at Arizona State in a long time. And for all the talk of Chris Peterson with the late kickoffs, another late kickoff, 10.45 Eastern, and it's either 7.45 or 8.45 with the time change in Arizona. Still never sure what that is. But it's a night game again for Washington, and I think they feel slighted all the time that they're playing in those spots. But, you know, it is what it is. And you look at Arizona State, like you mentioned, coming off the bye, and they hung with Texas Tech. They hung with San Diego State. You know, they've been in those games. You know, when I look at Washington, their schedule is not – it doesn't help them. It really doesn't. You know, they beat Rutgers. They beat, like, Montana in the conference. Colorado, who's down, they beat them. They beat Oregon State, or their coach just quit. You know, so I'm not really that high. I mean, Washington's done a nice job, but, you know, they want to complain about, you know, nobody sees them on TV. Play better teams at a conference. <laughs> you know, you're playing a lot of a crap and, teams at and a oh, conference. And, oh, by the way, can I interject? There are The increase in revenue since Larry Scott became the commissioner and did these TV deals with ESPN and Fox and their own Pac-12 network, the increase in revenue per school is over $15 million per year per school. It's one of the reasons why Chris Peterson isn't making eight hundred grand. It's why he's making 6 or $7 million. So you can complain only to an extent before all of us are going to gang up on you and say, pipe down the TV money. Everybody benefits from the TV money. And if ESPN, who's dictating a lot of this, says we need late-night games for the Pac-12 markets and for the later evening, that's part of the deal. They're paying you hundreds of millions of dollars, Kevin. It's A plus B equals C. You're taking the money, so you got to play when they say play. Well, also, he's not the head coach at Syracuse who are saying play 10.30 p.m. games where it's like, this is ridiculous. I mean, you're out west. It's, it's just a night game. It's a normal time playing out west. And, you know, again, stop scheduling home and homes with Rutgers. You know, stop doing that. You know, why don't you play some better competition? And I understand the first three games of Pac-12 play, they haven't drawn a USC or a UCLA or a Stanford. I get that, that that's just the luck of the draw. But at a conference, you know, stop playing cupcakes. 
And you know what? People will take you more seriously. And I understand this was a team that was in the final four last year that That's Alabama right. slapped them down. I mean, so like they deserve to be there, but at the same time, you know, Alabama plays Florida state, Michigan plays Florida, uh, Ohio state plays Oklahoma. These teams aren't afraid. And I don't know if Chris Peterson still has this thought of when he was at Boise state, no one wanted to play him. I don't think that's the case at Washington where, you know, other big teams don't want to play him. I just don't know if they're reaching out. I have no idea what's going on with that. But, you know, if you strengthen the schedule a little bit, maybe you'll be taken more seriously on a national level. I love it. All right, so you and I think that Arizona State can hang in there. Demario Richard, the running back. Belange, the other one. Uh, they've got a decent quarterback uh, as well. I, I think I don't th- I'm not saying upset here, but this is a 17 point spread. I'm going to take the Sun Devils to hang in there in that game with Washington, um, and and we'll see what happens on on Saturday night. I do know this: I'm headed out to the desert with my Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday at University of Phoenix Stadium out in Glendale. I may be at this Sun Devils Washington Huskies game Saturday night, and Kevin, I, I promise to, g- to give full details to the audience on Three Dog Thursday next week, win or lose on Three Dog Thursday, what that experience is like. If I'm able to be there for Pac-12 after dark with Arizona State and Washington, which could be crazy on uh, on Saturday night. All right, I'm going to have one NFL underdog coming later. That leaves me with another college underdog here for Three Dog Thursday purposes. So I am going to go, in this case, with a Big 12 team. I have yet to back... Uh, I backed Oklahoma late, earlier in the year in an out-of-conference game, but I've, I've yet to go to a Big 12 conference game. And I'm going to go in conference play here with Kansas State as a home underdog. i got a home underdog theme rolling in college with Arizona State in Game 1, and I'll go Kansas State against TCU... On the surface, this looks like a, a mismatch because TCU with Kenny Hill has looked outstanding, including the big road win a couple of weeks ago against Oklahoma State. They beat West Virginia at home last week. College game day was there. K-State is always seemingly laying in the weeds for games like this, and, and they lost a double overtime heartbreaker, Kevin, to Texas last week. Bill Snyder has been there forever and a day as a coach, but over the course of the last 20, 25 years, I love him in games where people maybe are lightly regarding them, especially if they're at home, they're a team that seldom beats themselves in terms of penalties and fumbles. They're well coached every year. Uh, I know they got a quarterback question mark, but K State getting six points. I'm I'm going to go with the Wildcats to pull the upset of TCU and what has been already some crazy upsets this season. I like another one in the Big 12. I like Kansas State in an early game. This will be an 11 a.m. local time start in Manhattan, Kansas, noon Eastern time for K-State and TCU. Do you have a quick thought on this matchup? A lot of purple. A lot of purple, and that's it? I mean, they can score. Quick thought. That was it. That is a quick thought. And Jesse Ertz, the quarterback, uh, and, of course, K-State is purple, too. Jesse Ertz, the quarterback, is... uh, Banged up, and as we're talking midweek, not not for sure that he's going to play. Alex Delton is the backup quarterback, and Alex Delton played great in the second half and the overtimes of the Texas game. Actually ran for 79 yards himself as a quarterback and two touchdowns uh, in the fourth quarter in the overtimes. I, I just I like the spot here with Kansas State. I know TCU's done a tremendous job, but something says to me, Wildcats, you're right, a lot of purple in the whole stadium. Uh, on that one. All right, Kevin, stand by. We'll bring you back to talk some NFL a little bit later on in the show. For the audience, hang in there. A treat. Barry Switzer, Boomer Sooner, the old coach, is here to talk OU Texas, the Red River rivalry, what it's like to be part of it. 
Get his thoughts on all of that and plus where you can find him and hear him on Saturday's Talking College Football as well. That is coming up as Three Dog Thursday rolls on. Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by FanPlayoff.com. Play postseason fantasy football like you never have before for free coming this January. Find out more by going to FanPlayoff.com. Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. Well, this is one of my faves. Uh, It's the week of the Red River rivalry, the game Oklahoma and Texas. And who better to help me talk about it as part of Three Dog Thursday. Here he is, the legendary national champion and Super Bowl winning coach, Barry Switzer. Good to have you here with me. Great to catch up with you. How are you? I'm doing great, TJ. I'm here in Norman, Oklahoma. It's finally got a little cool weather, and uh, it's that week. We 52 years, 52 weeks out of the year. You got uh, uh, wait, sit around and wait for this this week to play the University of Texas Longhorns and the Oklahoma Sooners, and and it's kind of a down week for us up here, and it's probably a, a, a big week for them down there. A few weeks ago, everybody thought Oak Sooners would uh, hang half a hundred on. Them. <laughs> And I'm not too damn sure that Texas will be favored going to this game after this last week, after Iowa State massacre that they put on us up here. All right. Well, uh, you know what? Let's dive right in right there because you had a lot of history and a lot of success throughout the history of this rivalry. I I wonder, did you ever come off of a loss to play Texas that you can recall? And if so, the challenge for Lincoln Riley and company now to rally things after a loss, a loss at home in this case, do do you have an experience of having come off a loss and playing the Longhorns? I, you know what? I, I, Think we lost to Southern Cal in the early '80s here at Norman, and I had to play Texas, and but we won that game, and it was Marcus Dupree's uh, uh, freshman year in '82, and uh, Texas uh, Marcus had a great game against uh, Texas, and we won that ball game that day. But uh, uh, we, I had came off a tie and had to play them and beat them and uh, beat them pretty good. But uh, but basically, we you know what we're we're always playing someone we're better than and usually have an undefeated record when we go play Texas. And, uh, so, but those, you asked if I could remember any more sure. that we lost and that was what I was trying to dredge up there. Yep. And I think those are the ones. How about that? Yep. He's got a memory like you cannot uh, believe about this 70s, game. Too. No, no the doubt. Tied, we tied Southern Cal in 1973. Uh, they were 19 and old. They had won the national champion year before and the, we tied them in the Coliseum, 7-7, missed a field goal from the 11-yard line in the fourth quarter, would have won it. We won the rest of them. We were undefeated that year. And uh, the next week we played Texas and hung half a hundred on them. And, uh, but, you know, it was uh, we had great, I had a great team. and Selman Brothers and that crew. And, uh, I had eight of my defensive starters starting in the NFL when they only had 26 teams in. So I, I was really, we were really good in the 70s. No doubt about that. For those that have not experienced this game, and I've been there on a couple of occasions, State Fair of Texas, the Cotton Bowl, half the stadium in, in Longhorn, burnt orange, the other the right. other the other right half, as you always tell me, in crimson and white, the Oklahoma fans. Right. What's it mm-hmm. like? What is it like to coach it and be part of it? 
Well, first of all, I think it's an advantage of Oklahoma right to begin with because they do give half the tickets to Texas and half to Oklahoma, but they divide it at the 50-yard line, and the north end of the bowl is all orange. From the 50-yard line on the west side to the 50-yard line on the east side is all orange on the north side of the stadium. Well, the ramp to come down to, to the field is in the south, and so when we come down the ramp from the 50-yard line east and west, is solid red so we think we're playing at home when we take the field and because we come down the ramp we're surrounded as we gather at the bottom of the tunnel out there on the 15 yard line 10 yard line to come on the field it's uh, all sooners and uh and they never have changed that so it's like playing at home when we take the field so it's pretty good attitude atmosphere for our team coming down the ramp you have- texas doesn't doesn't texas doesn't receive the same you know, uh, uh, coming on the field uh, uh, <laughs> salutations as we, as we do. Uh, it's definitely different for them when they come out the ramp. You have told me stories in the past. Recount one here. Bevo, the big Longhorn mascot, is usually right, down there, right. and Bevo will typically, how shall we say delicately, leave his business well, down the right, bottom of the ramp, you, right? That's right. You and I always warn my freshmen who've never walked down that ramp before, grab a hold of the senior and let them leave or an upperclassman, love them lead you down there because I don't want you to have to come back and change your shoes before the game. Uh, yeah, there'll be big piles of it down there, and Bevo could leave some big piles. Oh, yep. uh, uh, so but anyway, it's it's got everything, you know, it really does. It's uh, the, you know, the classic used to be great because Oklahoma and, and Texas back in that era when Daryl Wall was coaching there, I was at Oklahoma. We were always undefeated, ranked high in the nation, one or two or three in the country, and. Uh, and the team that won that had a chance to win the national championship, and uh, which we won several of them, and, and uh, we had to win that game to do it. And if you were good enough to beat them, you might be good enough to beat Nebraska for the Big Eight Conference Championship back when Nebraska was good. You know, right. Everybody said, what is happening in Nebraska? You know, they're struggling in the Big Ten there. And I, I remember when Oklahoma struggled in the 90s after I left. You know, everybody said, what the hell has happened in Oklahoma? Things do change. And uh Every every program has its heights and it has its lows, and uh, and uh, mighty Nebraska's sunken down too. No doubt. So. Well, this man is intertwined with Oklahoma football and the history and the Big Eight and Nebraska and obviously this rivalry game uh, with Texas. I'd, I'd love to have your insight because Bob Stoops. Uh, abruptly retired on the eve of the season, right before the start of the season, and a very young offensive coordinator in Lincoln Riley got the job. Uh, first, say something about the job that Stoops did bringing Oklahoma football back to being Oklahoma football. Say something about him, if you would, first. Well, Bob, first time I saw his teams line up that he coached his first team, how they lined up on offense and defense, I knew these guys knew what they were doing, and we finally got the right guy there, and uh, uh, and he grew from there. And, uh, of course, uh, coached here for 17 years. And uh, I coached 16, he coached 17, Bud Wilkinson coached uh, – 18 years and uh uh so it's uh that was the run we all had all of us won over 100 games and uh, then benny owens back in the earlier times won over 100 the only school that's had coaches went over 100 games each you know four coaches do that so Oklahoma's won a lot of football games too <laughs> and, uh, and uh, i have the best winning percentage i gotta throw that out there only lost of course games out of 190 you know and but uh it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, been good for both of us and, uh, we have great, uh, great players and, and uh, good assistant coaches and 
we had you know had our runs. No doubt about that. What Lincoln Riley is new at this. He's obviously new to this rivalry. What what are the challenges for him? Not just this season, not just this game with Texas, but over the next few years in terms of recruiting, the expectations that everybody has. What's he up against here, being the Oklahoma coach? Well, obviously he has to do well in Texas. We have to recruit well in Texas. I, I made a living recruiting south of the Red River, and uh, it's essential. And I thought the Ohio State victory this year would really elevate our uh, recruiting in Texas. Totally disappointed with the loss to uh, Iowa State, you know. But I was to Iowa State deserved it. They played better on offense, better on defense than we did. They, uh, we just didn't play well that day, and, and for whatever reasons, we analyze it all we want to. But they were the better team, and they, you got to give it to them. And uh, so I do. And but if we beat Texas this next week, we'll be back in position to be able to be right in the middle of the conference race and to be able to recruit well in Texas. That's essential for Lincoln Riley. That's why this game is so important. They've got a new coach in, uh, what, Tom Herman there uh, came from Houston, and his new coach at Texas is, is trying to do a good job, and I think he is doing a pretty good job. And uh, we'll, If he wins this game, that that's going to be a tremendous, tremendous lift for their program and uh, elevate them in and, uh, and his first year there. And and recruiting, but uh, so this game is really important to the, our alumni because no one, no one that graduates uh, from University of Texas that comes north of the Red River to make a living. But there's a hell of a lot of people <laughs> graduate Oklahoma go south of the Red River to make a living. Houston, to Dallas, and West Texas, and all. You know, it's a big state and 33 million people, and uh, Oklahoma's a small state, and you know they got more opportunity than we have, but. Uh, Anyway, it's uh, it's important our alumni we win this game because we got so damn many of them live down there. No doubt about that. A few minutes left with Barry Switzer, who's with me as part of Three Dog Thursday. Again, Kevin Rogers will be back in a little bit to talk some NFL football, but I'm reminiscing with the coach. All right, you recently celebrated a birthday. I'm not going to give away your age, but I, I am going to say that I was with you 10 years ago for a surprise birthday party. I will tell the audience that I was fearful that we were going to perhaps give the coach a heart attack. We surprised you on the eve of the Oklahoma-Texas game in Dallas, and it was a who's who of who was standing in that restaurant in Bob's Chop House in the dark waiting to yell surprise. I mean, we're talking about Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, Toby Keith, the country music legend, little Joe Washington, uh, Keith Jackson, your former All-American tight end. Uh, on and Peter on. Marcus Dupree only played one year. <laughs> <laughs> he was there too. Well, hey, no. I mean, uh, it Cowboys, was you know, Michael Irvin, all those guys. They we, what, uh, what do you remember about that? Because I, I talk about that night ten years later, that surprise party in Dallas on the eve of the Texas Oklahoma game. What do you remember fondly about that? Well, you know, I was totally shocked. It was a total surprise, and we're not going to tell how anybody how old I am, but that's my seventh birthday surprise ten <laughs> years ago. <laughs> There's little Joe Washington right now. I'm going in my driveway. There's little Joe walking up at my front door. So I'm going to have to yell at him a second. But uh, anyway, uh, they were all there. Billy Sims, uh, all my great players and uh, Cowboys and Sooners and, you know, Jerry, Stephen Jones, and uh, just all my friends, family. And it was a neat deal. They really surprised me. I, I will tell you this. I, I don't know how well you remember this, but I remember interviewing you 
and Toby Keith and Little Joe at the same time, speaking of Little Joe, and Toby Keith yeah. said to all three of us, he said, I grew up my whole life loving Oklahoma football, loving this man, and he goes, I, I, this is bizarre, surreal, whatever, whatever word he used, that I am standing at Barry Switzer's surprise birthday party talking Oklahoma football with Barry Switzer. I mean, TK is is as much a Sooner fan as he is a country oh, music yeah. star, right? Right, you bet he is. He's a superstar country, and uh, of course he's a big Sooner fan. He lives in Norman, Oklahoma. We do a lot of things together. We're around all the time. He's a damn near the Sooner game, basketball, football. So we talk all the time, and uh, and uh, little Joe is down the street from me here. So and Billy stops by every week. Billy Sims, my great Heisman Trophy winner. And, uh, so it's uh, it's neat to have all these guys in here. I live right on campus here. I'm right across the street from the Pi Pi and the Tridel's house and a couple of fraternities. I don't know who in the hell they are. Don't care. I know who the Tridel's Pi Pi's are, TJ. <laughs> and uh, they know me, and I walk my dogs on campus. And uh, I'm 700 yards, I think, from the stadium. And, uh, you know, we got a big, beautiful new stadium now, old in, and it's uh, kind of neat. Neat, yeah. neat across the board. Listen, I know you got to go in a minute or two. I want to let you plug Coach's Cabana, something that you started doing a few years ago. You're still doing that on Saturdays when the Sooners play and college football is going on. Tell the fans more about Coach's Cabana and what you're doing and why you enjoy it. Well, if you're if you're in Florida, I guess you're, t- you're down in Tampa area. And if you're in Florida and you have to be a Sooner fan and you can get our game on TV instead of listening to the network, guys – you can go on www.coachescabana.com and you can see Thomas Lott, my ex-quarterback, myself, and Mark Rogers, who's on the radio, the sports animal on the statewide radio that talks about the Sooners three hours a day, every day. Well, we know more about the uh, OU football team than anyone, Fox or ESPN, can send down there and be open that press box over there. So what you can do in real time, you can uh, put us on your computer, put up put it right up there beside the TV, turn the sound down on the game and, and turn us up. And you got us doing it in real time, us doing color on the game and listen to all our stories and answer tweets in real time. And we have people, we have uh, a pretty good team put together. The guys, girls that handle the tweets, a couple of pie pies work for me and handle and the tweets. We answer them on, on the air right there, call out your name and, we even have a new app, a live app, where you can go on that app and uh, we get to see you and split the screen with you. You'll be, it's kind of like Skyping. Uh, wow. Call in and we, you're on the TV with, with, with me and, and I answer your question. So it's, it's a neat deal. You know, technology is advanced so much and, uh, and we call it second screening. And as long as I don't show audio of the game or video of the game, I have not violated any rights laws or anything. And, uh, and uh, they pay millions of dollars for those rights to do that, but but uh, I don't pay anything. <laughs> I can well, you guys, you guys are webcam going. Yeah. Well, sure, you guys so, are are doing something that I think most fans uh, love, which is sit around talk about the game. But this is more than fans. This is educated ex coach. And it's and it's yep. in real time, and you're giving instant analysis and what right. you think and what this decision should be. We're on the we're on the air all the time. You get to see us. You know, you only hear those guys in the press box over there at the stadium. You know, you might see them two or three minutes, three and a half hours. You see us all three and a half hours, and we have an extra chair for anyone who walks in. I've had Charles <laughs> Haley walk in. I've had Dave <laughs> Novacek, the Cowboys, walk in, be in town. I just call them up. 
you know, any of my great players come in, I just <laughs> bring them on. You're my dog. I got a dog in the car with me, and they want to be on, and they want to be on too. There's no doubt. Listen, That's coach, right. coachescabana.com, www.coachescabana.com. They can find you as well on Cox Communications with the Coaches Cabana. The coach has got his dogs. He's got the. He's got the. I got my canine card here. You got the canine card. You got OU Texas this weekend. It's going to be a busy week. We're we're excited to have had you on the show, and we'll see what happens. We'll we'll see what happens with the Sooners and the Horns. This is what I got in the back can rush you faster, I promise you. I bet they can. Uh, Hey, listen, what a treat. Thank you for being with me here as part of Three Dog Thursday. Enjoy the rivalry game, and thank you, Coach. All right. All right. Take care. Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by FanPlayoff.com. Play postseason fantasy football like you never have before for free. Coming this January. Find out more by going to FanPlayoff.com. Who are this week's top dogs in pro and college football? We are back on Three Dog Thursday. We do come back in as yet another Saturday of college football is going to get underway. Uh, Coming up with all these different matchups, including Oklahoma and Texas, I can tell you, Kevin Rogers, as we bring you back in, Senior Handicapper, VegasInsider.com, having been to the Cotton Bowl and been to this game, it is some scene, as, as Barry Switzer was talking about, the Texas State Fair. I don't, I don't know that we talked about it enough there. The Texas State Fair on the Saturday of the game will have over 150,000 people at the fair that don't have tickets to the game that are around everywhere riding the amusement park rides, going to the different exhibits, uh, enjoying a corny dog, an adult beverage. And then you have the 90,000 people now in the revamped Cotton Bowl that are there for the Oklahoma-Texas game. It, it, it is some scene to, to be part of this. And for the Sooners... Everybody was talking about a college football playoff, another repeat appearance for them. They they got to find a way to win this rivalry game here, or they can say goodbye to the college football playoff, right? Well, that one first, and then obviously they got to win the Bedlam game against Oklahoma State, and maybe they'll still have a shot depending on if other teams fall. You know, because I got to believe that you're only getting one SEC team, probably that Final Four. I mean, if you get Alabama, Georgia in the SEC championship. I don't know if the loser would still get in. But, yeah, for Oklahoma, yeah, you can't lose a 31-point home favorite to Iowa State, but they're still not out of it yet. I'm not ready to close the book on them. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Still a long way to go with them, and obviously with some of these other teams. I mean, Clemson lost to Pitt last year. That's right. So you never know who can get tripped up somewhere down the line. They find a way to recover. Some of these teams do and, and find a way into the championship. Remember, Ohio State uh, lost a game two and then and then went on to win the whole thing in the first college football playoff with the two big wins in the playoff over Alabama and Oregon then in the championship game. Uh, one more to put to college football to bed. I took Kansas State as the underdog and Kevin Rogers. Another reason why I like that game uh, in Manhattan for the Wildcats is Bill Snyder over the course of the last four seasons has been a home underdog on only six occasions. He's five and one in those six games. As a home underdog over the course of the last uh, four years going back to 2013 actually four and a half years this is the first time they're a home underdog this year so they I know it's different players from year to year it's not the NFL they change players out in college but he's been good in this spot we'll see if that's the case for Kansas State as one of my two underdogs let's move on to the NFL as promised uh, a week ago 
we saw some some strange things across the National Football League. We saw J.J. Watt go down uh, for the season. We saw yet again the Dallas Cowboys lose a game at home this time. Uh, to the Green Bay Packers, who who pulled it out in the final moments. Dallas may be scoring too early. So we're back into the NFL, and uh, where do you want to begin with your NFL two underdogs? Which one is the first? We will start at the Superdome in New Orleans, the Lions and the Saints. And New Orleans, coming off the bye week after shutting out the Dolphins in London two weeks ago. And the Saints, only their second home game of the season, their first one, they lost to the Patriots. They were blown out. And now they're favored against the Lions. And, again, NFL, what you did last week doesn't really mean a lot, in my opinion. That You know, you, you take it for what it is, and then it's a fresh week. And the Lions lost at home to a, a really good Carolina team. And I don't know if Cam Newton was motivated after all the criticism with the female last week or whatever it was. I mean, Carolina's still a really good team, and they finally broke out offensively, and they ended up winning that game at Detroit. So, now, this week, the Lions, who have won in each of their last two visits to New Orleans, okay, and last or three years ago, they beat the Saints at home. So three consecutive victories last three years for Detroit of New Orleans. They have their number a bit. Also, the Saints are first time as a home favorite this year. Their last 20 at the Superdome when laying points, 6-13-1 against the spread. So that's a tough spot for Sean Payton's team when they're laying points. You know, it looks a little bit better when they're getting points. But, for, you know what, the Saints against the number, I feel like if this was 0-9 maybe, they were automatic at home. But now the last few years, they're really not that great covering numbers at home. So it's hard to take them in this spot, especially where people are probably down in Detroit a bit. New Orleans coming off the bye where, yes, they played well the last two weeks. I think they had a more impressive win over Carolina than over Miami. That was a 3 nothing game at the half. The Dolphins' offense has been terrible. And Detroit, I know that Stafford hasn't thrown for a lot of great numbers this year, but I think that the Lions now getting some points where already this year they covered against Arizona, they covered against the Giants as an underdog, and I get those teams have underachieved. But still, I think this is a good spot to take the Lions in. Saints again off a bye week uh, in this instance, too. And everybody right now trying to catch up with the Carolina Panthers. You mentioned the Panthers putting it on the Lions uh, last week at Ford Field. How about back-to-back games? Let, let's let's just play follow the bouncing ball. Carolina plays New Orleans, speaking of the Saints, three weeks ago. And New Orleans, you know this, Kevin, clobbered the Carolina Panthers in Charlotte. And then the Saints flew to London and, and beat the, the Dolphins easily. Well, since that time, the Panthers have gone to New England and won and gone to Detroit and won. Go figure that. So Carolina recovers on the road after getting pasted at home by this New Orleans team. And, of course, the Saints have parted with Adrian Peterson uh, midweek, trading him for a conditional draft pick to the Arizona Cardinals. So that means they've settled on Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, the rookie, as their running backs in the backfield. The Let the record reflect the Adrian Peterson experiment lasted all of, uh, what, five games? And uh, it's done. And now he's off to Arizona, and, and you, get the, you get the feeling he may, he may have a couple of more stops. Uh, before before it's over with with that. So interesting that you take the Lions uh, there in that spot. And I think for underdog number two, where where are you going next uh, in the NFL? Because I think you and I may very well be in agreement here. What do you like? You know, they say you shouldn't go against teams that are on winning streaks or take teams that are on losing streaks. But, uh, again, when I say week-to-week in the NFL, I know the Steelers didn't look very good last week against Jacksonville, specifically Ben Roethlisberger. 
And now they're going to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. Remember, the Steelers beat the Chiefs last year to end their playoff dreams at Arrowhead in the cold. Uh, in that game, they got pushed back because of bad weather. And that was like, what, an 18-16 game uh, at Arrowhead. And the Steelers have had some good success against the Chiefs with Ben Roethlisberger, quarterback. The only time they lost, I think, in the last five or six, Landry Jones was a starting quarterback for Big Ben. Big Ben was picked off five times by Jacksonville mm. last week. There's really no shame in that because Jacksonville's defense has been exceptional this year. So you really – and there's two of those were taken back for touchdowns. Leonard Fournette had a 90-yard touchdown run at the end of that game to put it away. Basically, the point is, Pittsburgh's defense actually didn't play that bad against Jacksonville. And Pittsburgh's defense shut down Baltimore the week before. And you know what? Their, their defense held Minnesota at nine points. They held Cleveland in check. So I just think that the Steelers' defense has been – you know, understated in this whole thing. That's all about Ben and Antonio Brown and what's going on with the two of them. They lost in overtime to Chicago. And, you know, maybe you turn that one around. The record's a little bit different. You look at the Chiefs, they keep doing it. They beat the Patriots. They beat the Eagles. They beat the Texans. You know, they're beating all these, you know, solid teams. And now you're only laying about four or five at, at home to the Steelers, it, it just makes me think, like, shouldn't Kansas City, if they've really been that dominant, be laying a touchdown at this point? I just think people are really down on Pittsburgh, and I'm not ready to give up on them just yet. I think it's a good spot to take them in. You know, late afternoon CBS game be shown a lot around the country. Romo will be there probably, so he'll have a lot to say. But uh, I think that the, the Steelers are worth a look this week against the Chiefs. I love this pick. You and I are in agreement. We're lockstep here on Pittsburgh and the game with Kansas City. I will take them as my final underdog. And I, I agree with a lot of what you had to say, especially with them playing an awful game last week. Highly motivated to get the stink off of them after that. Ben Roethlisberger saying to the media midweek, as we're taping Three Dog Thursday, I'm tired of you talking about me retiring. Uh, I was saying that after the game out of frustration. I'm not going anywhere. Of course, you know, if he continues to play poorly, I think we, we all know he may very well hang him up. But I don't think it'll be the case here. They're too talented uh, to find a way. And Le'Veon Bell was not healthy last year in that playoff game, had hurt himself in the Miami playoff win, uh, basically complete, you know, came out and tried, but completely useless to try to run the ball last year. I agree with you. And, and the Chiefs have been vulnerable at home. My Buccaneers got them. I know each year's different. My Buccaneers got them at home late in the season last year. So did the Tennessee Titans late in the year last year. I, the, the Arrowhead thing, I, I get they have an advantage, but I, I think Pittsburgh here in this situation will win this game as well. So you and I are in agreement on the Steelers for Three Dog Thursday purposes to bounce back and to hand the Chiefs uh, the loss in uh, in this one. couple of other interesting games. The Jets hosting New England with the Jets at 3-2 and two, along with New England at 3-2. and two. Uh, Most believe this should be a blowout. For New England, at least a couple of touchdowns, something like that. But the, you know, and I know the Jets beat Cleveland last week, but the Jets have won three straight games, so that's an interesting AFC. Kevin, a thought at all about that matchup? And New England still shaky uh, a bit. They they won the Thursday night game with my Buccaneers, uh, kicking field goals and playing a little defense. Thought a thought on New England and the Jets, real quick. You know, obviously the Jets have been a very good story so far, winning three games. And, and look, they beat the Dolphins, who are terrible offensively. They beat the Browns, who don't have a win yet, and they beat Jacksonville after Jacksonville had gone to uh, London and destroyed Baltimore. So 
you know, and also they caught the Dolphins off that that LA trip uh, with the hurricane. So the Jets were in a couple advantageous situations this year, and then playing the Browns is always an advantage. But you know, besides that, you you think that with the Patriots, if Tom Brady is healthy, then you know they could really light up the Jets this week. And I know that the Jets have given them problems at MetLife Stadium over the years, but at the same time, though. You know, Patriots had a couple extra days after the, the win over the Buccaneers. And, you know, for the Jets, when they played Oakland, you know, in Oakland, when Oakland was decent, Oakland killed them. And you go back to week one, I mean, Buffalo has been, you know, they've overachieved maybe a little bit. They hung in that game, lost by nine. But I just think that the, uh, the Patriots right now, you know, we're just waiting for them to really get that blowout. They had a couple close games at home. They had a close game at Tampa Bay. Like, are they going to get that? I'm going to say blowout. I mean, even win the game by, by 10, 13 points is, is good enough for this one. Yeah, they put it on the Saints earlier in the year, too, in New Orleans. We were mentioning that, did the Patriots. We'll see if they can regroup. Again, Gronkowski couldn't play in the Thursday night game. We'll see if he's healthy enough with the thigh injury and the and the groin uh, problems to be able to play in this game with the Jets. A couple of other games just real quick. Green Bay, Minnesota. I was in Minnesota earlier this year with the Bucks. That is quite the atmosphere at, uh, at U.S. Bank Stadium, and they will be jacked after the Monday night win with the Bears to play Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And a game that is sneaky good and, and almost comical the LA Rams at three and two and the Jaguars who you mentioned at three and two they're going to play each other in Jacksonville in a late game Sunday a four eastern time one one LA time uh, start Uh, Kevin one more reinforcement of the worthlessness of preseason Jacksonville horrific in the preseason absolutely terrible both sides of the ball results looked in complete disarray under Doug Marone and lo and behold, they have three blowout wins in their first five games. The preseason means nothing, people, in terms of what ultimately happens um, in terms of uh, games and outcomes. Now, if you have a serious injury, that's one thing that, that occurs in the preseason. That can affect your season. But no one had this Jacksonville team with three blowout victories like this based off the preseason. The Jaguars have been a fun story. We'll see if it continues. And the Rams have been a fun story, and they play each other real quick, Kevin. Yeah, and you kind of got to figure out, you know, who's going to be more consistent here. The Rams jumped out to a ten nothing lead over Seattle last week, and when they had to, you know, they made some nice third down conversions, but the Seahawks shut down Jared Goff when they needed to, and the Rams kind of came back to earth, you know, facing a Seattle defense like that. They faced a good Jacksonville defense going cross country. My only problem with Jacksonville is do it two straight weeks. You know, you mentioned blowouts, and the next week they they play awful. So you know, they're off their previous two wins. The game they end up losing. They look. They, I mean, they lost in overtime to the Jets, but still, they haven't looked that good in those two other games. So you got to say to yourself, you know, which team is going to show up this week? And now they're laying a few points against a Rams team that uh, has been a good underdog this year. All right, we'll see how those games play out in the NFL. We do know this: it is October. Uh, there is a ton besides just the college football in the NFL, and you can keep up with all of it on VegasInsider.com. Mister Rogers, tell them more, sir. Absolutely. We have the Major League Baseball playoffs underway. Hockey is underway. We have NBA coming up next week. And, of course, college football in the NFL. You can check us out at TwitVI. You can check us out at VegasInsider.com. We have all the information for all the football games about midweek, later in the week. And you can check out all of it so you can make your selections and make your winners for the weekend. All right, there you go. Again, follow him as well at V.I. Rogers. Again, Kevin goes with the Pitt Panthers for the second straight week in college football 
Detroit Lions and Pittsburgh Steelers in the NFL. I like Arizona State and Kansas State for underdogs in college football, and I agree with Kevin on the Steelers. Kevin, have a great weekend. Enjoy all the football. I'm off to the Arizona desert. I'm going to try to catch that Arizona State-Washington game, and then I will be at Bucks and Cardinals. We look forward to talking with you next week, sir. Absolutely, CJ. Thank you. There is Kevin Rogers. My thanks also to legendary Oklahoma coach Barry Switzer, who was with us earlier talking OU in Texas. You can follow him at the CoachesCabana.com website and app for the games on Saturdays. Appreciate him being here as well. That'll do it for this edition of Three Dog Thursday. I'm TJ Reeves for Kevin Rogers. Enjoy the games this weekend. Chef Brian Duffy here. I've got a new show called Duffified Live that's unlike anything you've ever heard. Each week, I'm going to be talking to some of my friends, some people I've never even met before. We're going to be talking about people that I meet on the road through some of my experiences. We're talking about restaurants, talking about great stories, great guests, wild adventures, the whole nine yards. Get Duffified Live with me, Chef Brian Duffy, each week on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.